Welcome to the Twimmel AI Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Charrington. All right, everyone, I'm here at the AI conference presented by O'Reilly and Intel Nirvana, and I've got the pleasure of being seated with Ian Stoika. Ian is the executive chairman and co-founder of Databricks and also a professor at Berkeley and director of the RISE Lab. Ian, welcome to This Week in Machine Learning and AI. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So why don't we get started by having you tell us a little bit about your background, how you got interested in machine learning, and you know what your area of, of research interest is. I joined Berkeley in 2001, and at that time I was actually doing networking. And then I moved around and did a little bit of peer-to-peer systems, and then started working on big data. On big data in the context of another lab at Berkeley called AMP Lab, we developed a few systems, including Apache Spark, Apache Mesos, and Alucio, formerly known as Tachyon. Mm-hmm. Basically, what happens is that we develop these systems because people get more and more data, and organizations ingest more and more data. And then once they have the data, whether it's user logs, machine logs, or any other data, they, they try to make sense of of this data. Right. They get to get, try to get the insi- some insights. So Apache Spark was an effort to process at large scales this kind of data. Now, also in the context of the Apache Spark, then you look at and what people do after they get some insights of the data. They want to make some decisions to take some actions based on the data, right? right? To improve our targeting, to do medical diagnosis and things like that. So now the next step, again, in getting value out of the data, it's, it's basically applying AI, machine learning, to get intelligent, actionable decisions. Right, right. That's why I'm now doing that research in the context of systems and machine learning and AI. Okay. And as part of that, we, we just started this new lab at mm-hmm. Berkeley called RISE, where RISE stands for Real-Time Intelligence Secure Execution. And this lab is about building systems and tools and algorithms to support applications which make real-time decisions on live data with strong security. Okay. And in fact, that's one of the areas that Spark really distinguish itself in that real-time, streaming, interactive, decision-making, at least relative to Hadoop, which was kind of the incumbent system at the time. Yes, yes, definitely. That's absolutely true. So Spark was compared with, at that time, when we created it, compared with MapReduce, provide great support for interactive queries, Mm -hmm. iterative computation, like machine learning algorithms, and later for streaming. So right now, you know, going forward, one big angle we are focusing on is security. So, you know, everyone wants to take and to make personalized decisions. So the question here, how can you make personal decisions without violating the confidentiality of the users Mm -hmm. while preserving the confidentiality of the users? So this is one one big challenge. The other aspect 
It's about, for instance, when you create this with, with Spark, you create these models using deep learning or and many other approaches, machine learning approaches, but this model eventually you are going to serve that model, mm-hmm. right? So the users, you know, when the users contact you and the user make a query, look at the recommendation, right. you get, you give back the... So the inference part. The, 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 the inference part. Right? Right. You give back the right answer. So another direction is focusing on building this kind of prediction serving or model serving systems. And another direction is that, you know, when you look at the new generation of these machine learning applications, like for around reinforcement learning, they have different patterns. They do a lot of very small simulations. And, you know, we build also systems for that, which are a better fit for this kind of very fine-grained computations. Okay. And here at the conference, you were talking about Ray, yes. which is one of the systems that you built yeah, in this I was, particular yeah, domain. I was talking about Ray, which is in this, in this category. Okay. So think about, about Ray is, is the ability to execute a lot of fine-grained tasks, which are dynamically connected, dynamically depend from each other. Like task of milliseconds takes only milliseconds. So you can, build, you can run millions of these tasks per second. Mm-hmm. So it's very fine grain, and each of these tasks can be simulation. Like simulations, you play a game, okay. right? You move, you know, simulate the moves of the pieces, and then you see whether you won or you lost, right? right? And one of the workloads is reinforcement learning. Which reinforcement learning, you can see something like a generalization of supervised learning, in which the labels of the action you make is, is sparse, are sparse. Not every mm-hmm. action has a label, is good or bad. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, when you play a game, when you make a move, you don't necessarily know, know whether this move is great. Sure. You need to wait until the end of the game maybe to see whether it's good or bad. Right. Also the feedback is delayed, right? In mm-hmm. supervised learning, you, in many times you know whether I show you some picture and, and you give me say this is a cat or a dog, I know right. instantly whether it's good or bad. And also it's about reinforcement learning. It's also assumes that you interact with the environment continuously and you change the environment, mm-hmm. right? Like with, again, with playing games, right. self-driving cars or dialogue systems, right? This yeah. is a dialogue, right. right? And you need to, it's, it's continuously interacting and building the context about our conversations mm-hmm. And based your next actions, you know, next answers and questions based on this context, mm-hmm. right? So that's basically it is. And this reinforcement learning in many, one of the workload characteristics or it requires to handle this very small, fine-grained simulations. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, we've actually talked about reinforcement learning on the podcast quite a bit. We've had Peter Abiel and Sergey Yes, yes they, are, uh, they are the experts. I'm yeah. not sure what they can add. <laughs> That. Well, you know, so what the question that, that comes up for me is, how does Ray compare to an environment like OpenAI Gym or OpenAI Universe that are used also yeah. in contexts of reinforcement it's, it's, learning? It's very, it's very complementary. The OpenAI Gym, and they provide you the virtual worlds, right, right. and so forth, the simulators. Yeah. The, the Ray, which provides you the plumbing mm-hmm. to execute those simulations okay. and to get the results and to update the policy that is a mapping 
between the state of the environment or the observation of the environment and the action you are going to take at a large scale. So is it too simple to say that Ray is like Hadoop for reinforcement learning? It sounds like you've got a yeah, bunch of tasks, you can, you're you can, blasting you can, them out you can, to your, uh, a cluster you and then you're mapping that. the results back? Yeah, you can say that in the first approximation and then you take the results and you update the policy. Right, right. And then you repeat until the policy, you are happy with the policy, the policy converges. Right, right. So you mentioned this attribution problem, right? You're playing this game, you've got this reinforcement, this learner that's involved in this environment, a game, for example, and you can't really know whether it's action, you know, is positive or negative until yes. much later on. Yes. If you don't know the, the ultimate benefit, how then do you gain any knowledge from these micro simulations that yeah, you've been because describing? A simulation is again, it's you take some actions. Mm-hmm. After each action, you have a state which is a modified state of the environment and mm-hmm. eventually you have a reward. We sometimes you do not know whether the reward can be zero, you don't know whether it's good or bad, right? Right. And after you take according to the current policy, you are going which again you feel the state, take the action, you get the next state and the reward. You feed again the policy, you get the next action, and so forth. Mm-hmm. So you get these trajectories, which is okay. a succession of states and rewards. Mm-hmm. So now, eventually at the end, you are going to see whether you achieve your task or not. Mm-hmm. Whether you won the game or you lost the game. If it's a robot, whether the task, say, you're moving an object was successful or not, mm-hmm. right? Or solving a puzzle, right. right? So then once at the end you, for instance, see that eventually see whether you are successful or not, then if you are successful at a very high level, you are going to go back and reinforce all these actions you've taken. Right. Meaning reinforcing, meaning that next time when you try, after you update the policy, it's a higher chance to take these actions. Uh-huh. If the actions led you to, say, losing a game, right. then you are going to weaken these actions. So you right. make them less likely to be taken. When you are in a similar situation. That's basically what it is. It's like humans, right? It's like you play a game and so forth. And if you own, you are, it's likely that you are going to repeat the, some of the kind of, of moves you made. If I'm right? playing tic-tac-toe, the opening move is always in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's um, very true. I imagine a, a big part of what it's, or at least one part of what it's, trying to do is, and this is also in a lot of ways a dupe-like, is like managing the state because you're shuffling like state for all of these little simulations that you're running all of the yeah, you, yeah, you, you manage a state as well. You, the, there is an object store, so you keep that state in the object store. So uh, tasks which run on different nodes can have access to the state. Mm-hmm. You also try to provide, you know, we, we, you, you provide fault tolerance if the mm-hmm. node fails, so you make sure that the computation still is going to make progress and mm-hmm. doing that correctly. Okay. So, yeah, so these are some of the, you are right, completely right, uh, these are some of the issues you need to deal with. Okay. And so you were presenting on Ray specifically, so maybe what were some of the main points that you wanted to leave with the attendees at your talk? Yeah, so I think the high-level point is that right now, it, over the past 10 years, there has been a tremendous 
progress in AI, right? Mm -hmm. Many great applications. And right now, as we look forward, the application becomes more and more sophisticated. And while most of the applications we developed so far were based on supervised or unsupervised learning, the new applications, we believe they are going to be more and more are based on reinforcement learning. And again, the reason is that the new applications are more about interacting with the environment around them, learning from this interaction and affecting the environment. You know, we talk about games, we talk about dialogue systems, but you can look up, look, think about the health applications. You know, they constantly monitor, sure. uh, monitor you and then give you health advices. How about the next level of detail, though? Did so, you talk yeah. about the experience yeah. of using Ray or the yeah, architecture? Yeah. Or? yeah, so basically that's, that's why I started. But it's again, like you said, you know, for instance, if you do not have, have a feedback after each action, after each move, uh -huh. that means that the, the space you need to explore in terms of solution space is larger. Right. Because I need to make a series of moves because I know it's good or bad, mm -hmm. right? So more, more possibilities to go wrong, right? right? So that's one of the characteristics. The computation requirements are increasing. Right. And that's why one way, to, if you can afford simulations, that's a very good way to, to do because you can do the simulation fast. So now, like for instance, playing games or things like that, you do a lot of simulations, right? right? Even with robots, you try to simulate the physical world, yeah. right? Because you can learn much faster. Right? So that's the key. So the key is basically then the computation pattern is basically saying, I have a policy. I'm going to evaluate the policy by running many simulations. Right? And I'm going to feed in their outputs, these mm -hmm. trajectories, right? What happened and update the policy mm -hmm. and run again. Right? So that's kind of, it's a pretty regular computation yeah. because different simulations, they can take different amounts of time. Like for instance, if you play a game of chess, I can lose in three moves, right. or it may take 60 moves to win, right? Mm -hmm. And you want to learn as soon as some of these simulation happen, you want to learn from them and update the policies. You don't want to, you know, if I run 100,000 simulations to evaluate the policy, I don't want to wait for all of them, yeah. right? So this is kind of a, a computation is more irregular. Mm -hmm. Also, the other thing is that you know, many of these policies are implemented by neural networks, deep neural networks, which run on GPUs. Mm -hmm. So you want also to support more heterogeneous hardware mm -hmm. and also the kind of patterns. You are talking only about simulations, but then you want to search, to be able to search the, the space, the solution space and things like that. So you end up basically with a very fine grain computation graph you want to execute on heterogeneous hardware. So that's what Ray is. So how is Ray achieving that? It's using this in-memory object store to share the data. So it's okay. very fast on a single machine, you, you share memory. On the back end, the scheduling, we totally distribute the scheduler. Okay. Each node can schedule locally, and then when it's overloaded or the inputs of the task are not available locally, it's only then it's going to contact a global scheduler. We also replicate the global scheduler. So we, we do a lot of these kind of things to try to scale and to have very high throughput. Mm -hmm. And finally, we also provide the bindings in Python. Why okay. Python? Because <laughs> you know, most of the AI community develops in Python. Right. 
right? right. And, and now it seems to right. be the most popular language. So. Right, right. Whereas Spark is Java and Scala. And ja no, so Spark and... also, you know, uh, has a binding. Uh, it was developed in Scala, so obviously has API in Scala, but also has in Java and Python. And Python actually is very popular API. And of course, SQL. I guess early on I had the impression that some of those early efforts for, with Python were kind of like second-class citizens. Has it evolved to be more? We are evolving. You know, I think that a very large percentage of users they use Python, mm -hmm. so okay. they are improving fast. Okay. So where is Ray on the maturity cycle? You know, it's it's still an early project. We had a first release a few months ago. We are going to have soon the second release, mm -hmm. but it's. You know, it's still early, mm -hmm. so we have just, you know, a few users. But, you know, we believe that going forward, this reinforcement learning will play a major role mm -hmm. in the future of AI. And I think that the usage adoption of Ray will grow as well. Right. What size environments have you tested so far? Oh, we, we tested with over hundreds of nodes. So we are, we are at that level now. Mm -hmm. But it's, again, maturity is not only about... How scalable it is, sure. the robustness, and the kind of features you need, monitoring, and things like yeah. that you need for really to have to deploy something like Ray in production. Does Ray lend itself to being deployed in cloud environments, or is it? No, you can deploy equally like Spark and many others. You can deploy in the cloud, or you can deploy on uh, on prem. Okay. Does it work with Spark in any particular way? Of course, way? of or course. So you, what we use, I mentioned about this object store. So actually for the object store, you use Apache Arrow. So it's easy through Apache Arrow to, to exchange the data between Spark and Ray. Okay. So Ray it's, has a much lower level API. It's again, it's targeted for this particular, you know, reinforcement learning and distributed AI applications. Mm -hmm. While Spark has a, higher level and it's it's, more know, general it's very purpose. more general and very mature API. Okay. You know, very easy to use when it comes to processing big amounts of data. In thinking about that API, what's the kind of fundamental unit of work or the unit of work is a task. A task. So you can add a decorator on a task and basically that task will be run remotely. Okay. You know, getting from a task to a reinforcement learner is all of that in user code or does Ray provide any abstractions for reinforcement learning in particular? For reinforcement learning right now, uh, we are in the next release, we are going to add a new a library for, for reinforcement learning algorithms. Okay. Right? It will be a small library at the beginning, but you know, we are going to implement the most, it's going to offer the implementations of some of the most common, common reinforcement learning algorithms. And we'll take it from there. Okay, and so you will be able to kind of use that with the same decorator model. You decorate your yeah. tasks, and then it, it will be kind yeah, of tied even to easier. Your will be some function calls, right? So okay. it will be even easier. Okay, great, great. Based on your experience with Spark, how do you see Ray evolving? So you know, it's it's very hard to predict, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, when we started Spark, we never thought that he's going to become. <laughs> so popular and it depends of a lot of things. So, yeah. so for, for us, for now, is that we want to build, as with Ray, we want to build a platform which allows us to speed up the research and the application in reinforcement learning. Yeah. 
So that's our first goal. Mm -hmm. And it's again, we are not talking about only us at Berkeley, but obviously right. across the board, you right. know, it's academia and right. industry. So that's kind of, you know, our, our goal. So yeah, your focus is on making a tool that helps accelerate research. And if, you know, the spark-like success comes, then a spark-like success comes. But, you know, you're focused on the, kind yes. of the user yes. problem. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Are there any companies offering like commercial support for Ray? No, we, not yet. It's still early. so early for that. There are some companies that are interested, that are playing with it. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's like I mentioned, in order for someone to put in production, it still has a little bit to go. Okay. You know, we are moving fast. Uh -huh. It will take a bit of time. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned some other projects around security and, and other things. Do the projects all kind of tie together? Like, can you think of like the Rise Lab is creating this platform and the security thing talks to Ray, talks to the next thing, or are they more so, or less So there are a bunch of projects. I was actually surprised, like, you know, considering Rise is a relatively new lab, there were a huge number of projects on the website. Yes, yes, <laughs> it started. We have quite a few people, <laughs> quite a few students. But it did start only this year in January, uh -huh. officially at least. So we have a few other projects. Actually, there are some projects also, like you mentioned, you know, in the Spark was also about real time and so forth, mm -hmm. streaming. We have a few projects in the context of Spark. One is about accelerating and reducing the latency of streaming. Okay. Called Rizzo. And actually, there is a, a talk later today from Intel, which we collaborate with this, from this platform, Big Deal. Which is experimenting with Drizzle, and they are going to present some results okay. today. Then uh, there is another project called Tegra. It's about how to process time evolving graphs. So you know that Spark also has GraphX, which is mm -hmm. and GraphFrames, which are some libraries to provide graph processing. Right. So Tegra takes that at the next level and basically saying that most of the systems today are processing static graphs. So you want to process the graphs as they change. Mm -hmm. And also you want to be able to ask questions about past instances of the, of, of the same graph. So mm -hmm. what are your friends, you know, January 15 this year, mm -hmm. right? And how are these friends who are changing over the four-month period, mm -hmm. right? Who are the new friends you got? Who are the friends? You yeah. Know, right? So, that so sounds this super is, hard. Yeah, this, these are the kind of questions you, you want to answer. This is yeah. the Tegra project right to answer. Okay. On the security side, I will say it's, it's one project called Opaque. Mm -hmm. So Opaque, it actually, it's again, it's like taking Spark SQL and making it more secure. What do I mean by that? You know, today there are solutions. You encrypt the data at rest, maybe in motion. Mm -hmm. But still, they do not defend, for instance, if the operating system or other application are compromised, mm -hmm. right? So Opaque uses, you know, new developments of hardware enclaves, okay. which now is used by many companies, right? Mm -hmm. Also Apple is their more recent announcement for right. this chip, bionic chip, right, on the uh -huh. iPhone to run their neural network. But these enclaves basically defend the application, the code you run within the, within the enclave, Mm -hmm. even if the operating system hypervisor are compromised. Mm -hmm. So basically we try, so there Opaque is about providing Spark SQL, taking Spark SQL and providing Spark SQL functionality, but now it's secured against this kind of very strong attacks. Mm -hmm. 
by running in the hardware enclave? Running part of it, okay. right? The operators run in the hardware enclave. Okay. Yes. Oh, wow. So, and the last one, maybe I want to, well, there are two other one. I want to mention one is Clipper. This is about prediction service. Okay. So there we develop this very modular architecture. So you can serve models which are developed with very different systems. Okay. Like, you know, of course, Spark. It will be actually probably the first <laughs> prediction serving system which will provide native support for Spark models. Okay and developing others in many other frameworks like TensorFlow and others. Mm -hmm. So that's what, that clipper. And the last one I want to mention is ground. So ground is about managing the metadata. This is one okay. a very important problem, right? You have data which is generated and modified. You know, think about an enterprise, different sources, different people. Mm -hmm. So this is about really tracking the metadata and answering, being able to answer the questions, who created the data, where the data is coming from, who modifies the data, who deleted the data. And then on top of that, of course, you can have access control and authorization. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of a, a few projects we are, we are working on. Ground makes me think a little bit of, like it might be an interesting blockchain application. Are you doing the blockchain, anything blockchain? Actually, there is another project which is based on blockchain, which is doing okay. authorization. Okay. Yes, it's called Wave. Wave? Wave. Okay, interesting. Great. Well, before we finish up, is there anything else that you'd like to leave listeners with? Well, I think uh, you're very nice. You ask all these <laughs> questions. I think that I unloaded almost everything I have. So I'll save something for the next time. Great. great. Well, thanks so much, Ian. It was a pleasure you having you on the show. More than welcome. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone. That's our show for today. Thanks so much for listening and, of course, for your ongoing feedback and support. For more information on Ian or any of the other topics covered in this episode, head on over to twimlai.com slash talk slash 55. For the rest of this series, head over to twimlai.com slash AISF 2017. And please, please, please send us any questions or comments that you may have for us or our guests via Twitter at Twimmel AI or at Sam Charrington, or leave a comment on the show notes page. There are a ton of great conferences coming up through the end of the year to stay up to date on which events we'll be attending and hopefully to meet us there. Check out our new events page at twimlai.com slash events, T-W-I-M-L-A-I.com slash events. Thanks again for listening and catch you next time.